0: Welcome to the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Show, where I believe a healthy world is based on transparent conversations. In this episode of the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Show, I sit down with the legendary Rudy Reyes, writer, actor, producer, motivational speaker, and former force reconnaissance Marine He may be best known for portraying himself in the HBO miniseries Generation Kill. In this episode, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about finding strength in dark places. We also talk about how small steps and small rituals create greatness and the positive legacy that you can leave on the world. Please be advised that this episode is very graphic and may not be suitable for children or individuals with trauma. So please keep that in mind. And as always, my goal is to educate and inspire and have very transparent conversations. Please take a moment to share this episode. Great review. And I'll see you on the other side. I'm so excited to announce that I am having the first ever Forever Strong Summit on January 13th and 14th for a transformative in-person experience where I will share cutting-edge insights on optimizing health, performance, and longevity, empowering you to unlock your full potential. My friends, I cannot wait to meet you in person Please don't miss this exclusive opportunity to learn from some of my best friends, renowned experts in the field. Secure your spot at drgabriellion.com slash forever strong summit. That's drgabriellion.com slash foreverstrong summit. See you there. Thank you to Cozy Earth for sponsoring this episode of the show. I have been using Cozy Earth products for years now. They make some of the softest sheets, pajamas, loungewear, and towels that I have ever come across. In fact, if you come over to my house, I guarantee you, you will either be sleeping on Cozy Earth or washing your face with Cozy Earth Towels. These products are made from viscous, which is from bamboo, incredibly soft, sustainable. The sheets are so beautiful, comfortable. If you are someone who sleeps hot, these sheets are temperature regulating, amazing. And in fact, if you do not love these sheets or their products, you can get a 100% money back. Guarantee they will refund your purchase price plus shipping. No questions asked, but I know you're going to love it. Head on over to CozyEarth.com slash a Dr. Lion and my listeners graciously get 40% off. That's CozyEarth.com slash Dr. Lion or use the code Dr. Lion at checkout to save up to 40% off. Thank you to Divi for sponsoring this episode of the show. Hair loss affects over 80 million Americans. It is incredibly common and there are many people that are dealing with hair shedding, thinning, breakage, whether it is stress, postpartum, menopause, other medical related conditions. There are things that you can do, some things need prescription and other things like Divi does not need a prescription. And let me tell you this, we have started using Divi scalp serum, both myself, my dad, my husband, and we have all seen great results. It has helped our hair from a breakage standpoint, from a product buildup standpoint. It has copper tripeptide, caffeine, tea tree oil, amino acids. It is amazing and it is helpful even for people that are not experiencing hair loss. So if you are concerned about your hair health and scalp health and want happy hair, give a science-backed Divi a try. Head on over to Divi Official, that's D-I-V-I slash Dr. Lion for 20% off your first order. Rudy Reyes. I am so happy to have you here. When I told my husband and a bunch of my military friends, they were like, Rudy, I cannot believe he's coming on the show. They were just really, really impressed with you. And I have to say, again, this is typically a medical podcast and we talk about health and wellness. But another portion of this show is all about what is it to be just a well-developed, humanly strong individual, mentally, spiritually, like a true hero. And that's how I see you.
1: Thank you. It's a massive honor to be here. Doctor, I've been following you and as a fan of your work and your presence, as we talked earlier, your delivery. Um, When we think about medicine and uh, health doctors, we see uh, old crusty folks in a, uh, a white coat, and prescribing pills or, or surgery. Uh, you're the kind of doctor that, um, that is important for human health and for us to kind of shift fires into a state of wellness uh, using skill, education, passion for the real medicine, which is your physical fitness and wellness that comes from inside
0: which that is beautifully said. And, and really, you have embodied that. You, from a very young age, you've been so physically fit. And, you know, to some of my audience, you're going to be new. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited for them to get to know you and learn about you because you are such a force. So you're a former Um Reconnaissance, Marine, Special Forces. Uh, I won't hold that against
1: you. Yeah, oh, you know, for me, it was the only thing. Marine Corps, Vietnam, Guadalcanal, uh, freaking World War II, John Basalone, the machine gun on his forearm, melting through his skin and still fighting the Japanese. It's it's these legends that we live for, I guess, right? So, yeah, yeah. but thank you. <laughs>
0: um, also a martial artist, a conservationist. You're all of these things.
1: Yeah, You know, I was looking through some of the questions and, you know, Jade and and I work together as a team, my wife Jade and um, warrior or conservationist or, or or both or I look back and you know what, uh, first I'll tell you the audience out there, I'm, um, my nature is not to be cruel. My nature is not uh, to be uh, cold and violent. I had to learn to become these things to do my work and to accomplish my missions. Um, the reason why I took on the responsibility of joining the Marine Corps and becoming a recon Marine is to go fight in Kosovo. I saw a documentary about orphans, um, all of the adults on both sides to the ethnic cleansing Uh, there was only the kids were small enough to run away and hide. So there was an orphanage happening in the middle of, of, of the Serbs and the Croatians fighting. That is what made me want to join the Marine Corps, uh, because president Clinton said, we're going to put boots on the ground. I was a vegetarian, uh, Chinese Kung Fu and Sanda kickboxer. Um, I, I grew up in harsh com- uh, environments of the streets. I I have gang um, members that have been in my family and I've witnessed uh, murder and killing and destruction on the streets. How old were you? Um, between seven and 11, um, probably even more like three and 11. Intermittently, I moved around many different places, different relatives, to, uh, foster care, and then uh, Omaha Home for Boys. I was... The power of weapons always made me feel really uh, sad about the state of humanity, that uh, there can be so much power and, so, uh, and take lives away. So I was never joining the military to just be a tough guy, kicking, kicking in doors and killing people. I saw a documentary. I saw kids were in danger, and I saw other men are going to fight. I must do my duty and do my sacrifice too. That's why I did all this stuff. I had to be conditioned and learned to become a recon Marine and a scout sniper. And uh, the militaries, especially in our special operations communities, they very, very systematically and intelligently um, program us slash condition so that we can best do our work. Because without that, all is lost. There is no coming back from PTSD because you don't have PTSD because you're dead on the battlefield. So I don't, I don't think of myself as suffering and a victim of PTSD. In some ways, I am honored to have PTSD. Mm. Once I got through the hardest parts of it, which took about 10 years, now it empowers me to better understand the world and each other.
0: You know, you mentioned that your upbringing was pretty challenging. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, we are a military family here and there is, it takes a very special human to be able to become a a special operator. Yeah. Uh, And that is not done lightly. I am curious as to how it was growing up and and how that kind of forged you Mm -hmm. as a human and, and as ultimately as a hero, you are really looked up to in the community. And it is a, uh, you know, there's a lot of responsibility there.
1: Yes. You know, first, I'm very thankful and honored, and I don't take it lightly. You know, um I I learned this little term. I, I watched Pumping Iron way back. It's maybe 11 or 12. And I remember Arnold. And by the way, I'm not really an Arnold fan. I'm a Stallone fan. I'm a Stallone fan, better physique too. Um, you just wanted to balanced. set the, the record straight. Yeah, right yeah, there. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just not that much of a fan, but I, I, I am. I respect him, but I, I like Stallone more. Um, he Ed Corney, I believe, this Latino brother is under maybe 600 pounds on the squat, and he's cranking out some squats, and they're barefoot. They're in the mecca at Venice, and uh and he says uh, Schwarzenegger says, "Come on, Ed." Get serious, get serious. I take things seriously in my life. I take myself very seriously. Sometimes it works against me. but I take it very I take it very seriously. I take my impact seriously. Uh, I take my words and actions seriously. Um, when I was in my str- hardest of struggles, And it's only recently, doctor, that these things I've been able to unpack and really look at them. I was so upset and angry at the disillusionment of my worldview after countless battles and wars, and my last one coming right out of some horrible fighting in Fallujah every day and every night in Ramadi for seven months straight, day and night, hunting and fighting and killing, or collecting bodies, or or seeing uh, men uh, in pieces, or every day and night. And this is after an invasion, after um, Kandahar in Afghanistan, and, and and after so many of my men died just in training. My first funeral, I went to twenty three of my brothers we were killed uh, doing VBSS because the nature of our training, you mentioned about what it takes to be a special operations professional, what it takes to be this thing. It takes something because it's serious. It's serious. Even training is life and death. There has to be some kind of uh, sacred kind of gravitas to how you engage with life. If you want this kind of life. It ain't for everybody. Do you think it chose you? Yeah, I think maybe it was meant to be. It was meant to be. I, uh, I first of all, I never thought it was good enough to do it because, um, well, for instance, I'm um, super great land animal, awesome kickboxer wrestler, um, uh, s- naturally strong and fast and great endurance. But because of my background and uh, coming up from poverty, I never really learned to swim. And as you know, in the special operations community, swimming is paramount. Why? Because special operations have throughout time, even from, from the Greek era, uh, utilize oceans, waterways, rivers. And uh, so I was just going to be a bullet sponge infantryman, I was an open contract infantryman. And I was just good enough to make it through the indoctrination because I was so dominant on the running and the land and the obstacle course. I had 30 minutes before I had to get into the pool because everybody else was so far behind me and I still barely made it. So on my off time, instead of going and drinking on the weekends, I went to the main side pool and I trained with recon marines and SEALs and I did that for two months before I went to my class because I took it seriously. Uh, Training was so freaking difficult and um, so intense and it never stops. And, you know, we, this is back in the 90s, we're using M16s and we're always in and out of rivers and oceans and patrolling and they're always, and, and in the pool training and they're always rusting. They're rusting all the time. So you're barely able to stay awake months into this thing and you're in the bus and you wish you, you really want to just, Shut your eyes and go to sleep, but you know you got to clean those weapons because you're going to be an inspe- You're going to have an inspection at, mm. at any time. That was my graduate. That was my introduction to how serious this stuff is. And you're right. You got to really, you got to really want it and, and, and want to possess it more than anything else in life. And when I was given the opportunity to be more than I thought I could be, damn straight. I love I, that. I, I, I went into it.
0: I love that when you you know you went into the marines by the time you were going into special forces you were faster and stronger than your peers yes was that because you had to protect yourself was that out of necessity Mm. that you became in essence uh, a human weapon yeah you
1: know that nature and nurture um sometimes i wonder and then there's that god component too like the destiny part too yeah um I think it's all three of those. I was naturally always the bravest kid that loved to uh, um, swing off the rope swings and do stuff up at heights. Even when you were little? Uh, Even when I was little. Um, Even though I couldn't swim very well, I always at six years old, went up to the high dive and jumped off and just doggy paddled my ass on over to the south. So
0: you were never a fearful child, regardless of the poverty and some of the real major struggles?
1: No, that was my nature. And I had a great life till about six or seven years old. Um, Relatively stable. Um, And then what happened? Um, my grandmother died, who uh, was a uh, a nurse, and she was and and she's Mexican, and she fought from the valley. She's from the valley. Broke out in the late fifties and sixties, and divorced my super abusive grandfather. Got her education. Um, worked with uh, with men coming back from Vietnam, and because of her stability, my mother's uh, broke up with her relationship, and uh, my mother is always. Was always, well, she was victimized horribly as a kid and was never able to progress past that. And um, so I lived a great life till second grade. Uh, fantastic life, had a nice school. Had mm. went to the Sears and got our school clothes, had a haircut, had a bicycle. Uh, uh, I always did all the sports. I was the fastest runner, always in, into everything. Um, so I was naturally that kid. And then when the life fell apart, I knew the rule, the laws of the jungle and the rules of the streets is I must be as strong and as powerful and as tough and as dangerous as I can and as fast as I can if I've got to run because there's nobody else coming for me. I've got two little brothers we are only a year apart each. No one is going to be able to protect them and no one's coming for me. So um, I started training when I was very small, seven, eight years old. I was already doing push-ups, pull-ups, um, dips. I f- uh, found a park with parallel bars. Um, I would uh, be inspired by watching Rocky Balboa or First Blood. And whatever I saw Stallone and and Bruce Lee doing, I was doing. Uh, and it served me well. I, I struggled. My brothers and I, we were very sick. Uh, we were very poor. And I think I think this is what I still struggle with sometimes, why I, have a, I still have a bad relationship with my mom. Or what I'm saying is I've just let her kind of back into my life. When she says certain things, I freaking flash. I flash and I'm a much more measured person, but for some reason I flash. And it's because when I was a kid, all of us, no one ever stepped in and said, you know, Rudy, Michael Caesar, this is messed up. We should be here looking out for you. I'm sorry that you don't have electricity. I'm sorry you all have lice and we have to, instead of getting medicine, we're going to shave your head. I'm sorry you're getting humiliated and picked on at school because you got lice and ringworm. I'm sorry. That never happened. So I just poured in heavier into going to the park and working out. I had hepatitis. My teeth were rotting out. I felt sick to my stomach every day. I didn't know that's what it was. It was the hepatitis. And I smelled garbage every day. I just thought that was the house we lived in. We, we, had a, we were living in a shack with rats that would run over my brother's eye and roaches and rats and roaches inside the little transistor radio and, and the rats crawling over us at night. And we'd have to hide in this closet. It's hard living, third world living. Uh, right close to the border here in Texas or Mexico, and um, still I would train. So for some in some way I could be somebody when I'm training, and um, and that's never changed. So young and so wise. Yeah, I think my body knew I needed it. I my psyche knew everything knew this is life or death, Rudy. Because if you succumb here, um, gangs, or maybe just lose the will to live hmm. or fall into drugs. Um, I was physically abused. I'd already been sexually abused. Nobody's looking out for you. This is what happens to kids. And um, I was it my DNA said, God, you know, these are grave situations. You're going to fight. You're going to find a way to fight. So that's what I did.
0: And you've just totally changed the trajectory of your life. Uh, yes. I would say a lot of people don't ever make it out of that situation, they don't have the fortitude. They don't have that nature, that that will. When did things begin to change for you?
1: First of all, you know, I wonder too, doctor, um, another advantage I had was Michael and Caesar, my two little brothers. It helped me not implode into victimhood. And s- instead, even in a young person's mind, I was heartbroken about what I was going through. But that idea of them having to go through that too alone, I, uh, instead fought to protect them. And that in a sense, put away, put aside my pain and put me into a creative positive space. And, um, and I just stuck with it and I stuck with it and I stuck with it. And, and, um, uh, I was doing, you know, in gym class when you do modules through the whole year, you know, first you do gymnastics or then you do track and field or what have you. So we were doing track and the football players and all the the studs and they're already like spitting game to girls and they're they're already being traditional 12 year olds, 13 year olds or whatever, you know, and I was young, I was 11, but I was in the same gym class with all these kids and um, maybe I was in sixth grade. Um, and I remember the black kids who like uh had their pics in their hair and uh, cause it was all black and Latino when I went to school. And um the Latinos were, you know, all freaking being cool and tough freaking looking cool and they had the cool freaking Jordache and parachute pants or whatever. And of course I was in rags, size two uh suit, shoes that were two sizes too big I got from a cousin. i never smiled back then because I because these teeth are all bridged, these are all fake. Uh They were rotten, so I was embarrassed. So I never smiled and I was quiet. And uh, the shabbiest looking kid, that kind of shabby kid that's so freaking shabby and you know know just by the look in their eye that they come from a really, that they go home to a really bad place. Uh, That was me. Nobody wants to look at those kids. And uh, we were doing track and field and we were gonna do the mile. And shoes two sizes too big, And all the stud freaking eighth grade football players and track people there, nobody even looking at me. And I ran that mile so hard and I paced myself behind the fastest guy there. And I just let them weed out every 440, every 440. And on the third 440, I'm just right behind the fastest kid, the the star football player guy. And I can feel him and hear his breathings breaking down. His feet are starting to slap. And on the last 440, forty, I just blow by them. and I come across that freaking finish line. My lips are blue. I'm so happy. I'm screaming to myself, and everyone is just like, everyone's horrified. Not me. I'm. Ha- I've I never been so freaking proud of myself. And uh, everybody talking shit. I might even had to get got pushed too. And I go uh, back to the the, uh, changing room, to the locker room, and all my clothes are in the toilet. They're all piss and shit, all my clothes. And I'm there in my stinky gym clothes, you know. But I'm like, I really won. I'm like, I really won, didn't I? You guys are really upset because I really won. And I, with pride, went to the principal and got some, uh, what do you call it, the the lost and found clothes, Mm. walked home. That turned something on inside of me. I recognize that competition is um, competition is a key, critical element for transformation and overcoming. To to, to transmute situations and go beyond situations, whatever uh, obstacle or whatever struggle or pain or trauma, you can you can quantum leap it. You got to embrace competition, and competition's scary, because you got you might lose. And you got to be willing to lose. This is really adult stuff when you're considering ki- a, a child. I'm looking back now. Remember, no family. I got no mother or father. I got nothing around. When we look at our kids that are playing sports now, they got a whole community around them, and in a sense, they are just playing sports. I was in a fight for my life, but that taught me that competition is the way through competent comes from competition, competent. Once I learned that lesson, man, I'd never look back.
0: Mm. Is that one of the pieces of advice that you would uh, depart
1: on the listener? Yes. Compete. Find a way to compete first. I mean, look at all, uh, all the work that you're doing with uh, health, uh, physical, fitness, wellness, getting people leaner body mass, getting people Uh, healthy so that they're not carrying extra weight that's going to hurt their joints when they get older. I'm 51 years old. Trust me. It's coming for everybody. Nobody's getting out of here alive. So how you respect and you take care of this freaking beautiful vehicle that we've been blessed and gifted by God, we were gifted this. It's not like you and I, um, doctor, got to go through a little checklist about all the cool genes we wanted when we came out. You know what I mean? Hey, we're going to be freaking strong, handsome, smart, good good muscle fibers, strong tendons. I I
0: didn't tell you I did that to my kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, well, in a sense, you're kind of doing (laughs) that with you and your husband being so awesome, right? Uh, So we get this gift. If we don't take care of it, um, then uh, it'll become a prison instead of uh, the most beautiful vehicle for transcendence.
0: I love that. Do you feel that in today's society that people are either imprisoning themselves or moving away from competition?
1: Yes, uh, well, we see, what I'm seeing is a whole lot of opinions and very little observations. Um, When you compete, you either win or lose. It is completely binary. And you get more out of losing because it is the proving ground for your method. Was your method legit or not? Was your attitude and mindset correct? Where was your, your nutrition, your triphasic training, your recovery? Um, or let's say it's for profession, like you're going for work stuff. Did you truly prepare? Did you rehearse? Do you know the material? If you failed, then no, you don't. It gives you an opportunity to reassess and reengage.
0: I love that, and you don't mind failing, do you?
1: No, it's it comes with the uh, it comes with the territory. You know what I mean? It comes with the territory. I guess because I failed so much in the beginning, I uh, just wasn't afraid of it. Um, when I became quasi successful into my first journey into. Entertainment and when was that? That was after Generation Kill. That's when I became afraid. Um, I was afraid. What year was that? Roughly two thousand nine, okay. two thousand ten. The fear uh, I had fear because um, now I actually looked back at my body of work of all my life, and um, and maybe. Maybe because I was looking in the past at the body of work and then looking at the bravery of that kid and that uh, the bravery of that warrior and the intelligence of that k- battlefield commander and seeing where I'm at now in a world that um, that culturally, spiritually, and ethically is the antithesis of what got me there in the first place, I was truly lost. So all the audience out there that feels lost, too, I understand that. I was lost, too. Um, It wasn't until I started getting serious and taking it seriously. First, uh, getting off drugs. Because I got heavy, heavy into hardcore drugs. Mm. I uh, never even touched alcohol till 35 years old. Even in the Marine Corps as a recon wow. Marine.
0: Oh, yeah. I so mean, this was after. This was when you started to PTSD. garner success. yeah, PTSD so this, and success. 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 Uh, yeah, I was going to say it, this is success.
1: because it was. Either it was success, so-called success, but it was so freaking empty. I have no real brothers and sisters. Some of my men are still fighting or dead. Um. I was in one empty woman relationship after another, because I didn't even really know what a family or relationship is anyway, except except in combat. I only trusted men, and so when I was around my other brothers, then we became contractors too, working for DOD or state or what have you. That's not the same either. And now we have all been blooded and done such heavy duty. Um, life and death, extreme clinical violence and also th- this glorious beautiful heroism and the sacrifice and the and then the f- families falling apart and and then us still freaking somehow trying to stand proud we've all been there and uh, and instead of being able to help each other at that time, remember we're fighting two wars on two different fronts. It's 2011 or 12. And a lot of us are contracting now. So it's more money, drugs, um, uh, broken relationships, women, motorcycles, whatever trappings you're talking about. And I don't know if enough of the special operations guys out there talk about it. They I'm, don't. Not, a, they I'm don't not afraid talk to talk
0: about, it. about they, it. They don't. And it, what you are talking about is the dark side yes. of what I think there's a lot of uh, glory to, but... I, the, the front facing, you know, I'm a physician, a yes. married to a team guy. I take yes. care of a large part of my practice is special operations. Yes. And there's the there front, is a dark side. There's a front facing side. Yeah. And then there's a dark side that you're, you're talking full. about. And I do think that your brothers need to know and hear ex- exactly, uh, in my opinion, what you're saying. Yes. And to say it from your
1: voice. I went through it. But your voice yeah.
0: as the person or yeah. as a person, yes. I think is is really is really critical. So how does one, how do you begin to reconcile all of the darkness with kind of just these multi-dimensions of, of what you're doing? Because you're putting so much good out there, but I'm sure
1: there's a lot of reconciliation. There were so many baby steps and graces from God and Uh, Still, that competitive spirit, I kept taking on challenges, even though sometimes they were much bigger than I thought I was capable of, but I kept showing up, kept showing up. Um, Thank you to First Form
0: for sponsoring this episode of the show. I love First Form products. And one product that I particularly love and think is very important is creatine monohydrate. Why should you take creatine? Well, I know that you've heard about creatine as it relates to power, strength, supporting ATP, increased muscle cell volume, all of which are true. And creatine helps brain function. It helps your brain function better. It helps your processing speed. It is important in aging, things that we actually hadn't considered before. So if you are not taking creatine, or perhaps creatine is on one of the supplements that you cycle through, it is time, especially during the holidays, to reintroduce creatine. First Form makes an incredible one. It is 100% pure monohydrate. You can get yours at First Firstform.com slash doctor lion. That's firstform.com slash doctor lion. And you will get free shipping when you spend $75 or more. Thank you to Inside Tracker for sponsoring this episode of the show. Listen, coming into the holidays, people always begin a new program. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. It is not about the beginning of a new program. It is really about assessing where you are and keeping tabs on what is going on within your body. And that is why routine blood work is a non-negotiable for all my patients, for all my friends, myself included. You must be able to understand where your markers are. And that's why Inside Tracker is so helpful. It provides you with a personalized plan to help with your metabolism and stress and improve sleep, all the things that you care about. And you can analyze and track your own blood, DNA, and just throw in some fitness tracking data while you're at it to identify where you are optimized and where you need help for a limited time only. You will get twenty percent off the entire Inside Tracker store. Head on over to tracker dot com slash Doctor Lion. That's InsideTracker dot slash Doctor Lion.
1: But before that, it's a very strange thing when Recon Marine Rudy Reyes from nothing. And then I was somebody in Kansas City. You know, I became an international champion, kickboxer, vegetarian, you know, clean and sober. Probably this is why I've aged so well because I never even drank till I was 35, right? Um, I was a hometown hero even before the military. Um, But the cost of that extremity and the cost of that freaking intensity and the cost of the glory to be somebody that maybe will be in a history book Maybe uh, the cost is it destroys everything close to you. Everything that you love, it does destroy it. You don't realize it. How about this? How do we realize as freaking warriors, as gunfighters, as commandos, how do we realize what our loved ones or, or brothers or children or wife, what they go through? We don't. We can't, we can't think about it. It doesn't compute. We are focused on what it takes to do this thing. On my second war going to invade Iraq, You know, we were stood up, stood down, stood up, and this is way before anybody in America knew that we were gonna invade Iraq. So we were in Kuwait um, for months beforehand doing probing missions and such. So before we went to Kuwait, we're waiting, we're waiting, right, Um, my ex-wife, my wife at the time, she been through hell with my career. Now, I was faithful, faithful, already a fucking way out <laughs> there. I'm already yeah, in another you, caliber. You, you already I, won. Yeah, yep. I'm already in another caliber. However, I thought, well, I'm freaking handsome, meaning I'm stud, uh, dual cool, freaking jump, dive, freaking demo, scout sniper, um, war hero, back from Afghanistan. She should be happy. I sent all my money home. Uh, jump, dive, danger, demo pay. What more could you want? Um, I used to work at a restaurant in construction. Now I'm doing great. Um, no, there's a lot more to relationships than that. And I had no idea because my real relationship was was with my team and my platoon. So on the um, getting ready for the word to go to Iraq, um, I get the word. A senior brother of mine named Kranik comes and picks me up, a uh, uh, Croat. Fucking tough guy, amazing. He's now a helicopter pilot. Of course, all of us guys such uh, uh, underachievers, right? <laughs> so he's now a freaking Blackhawk uh, pilot. Um, so he comes to pick me up. And on the drive, boy, we had flip phones back then. This is 2003, and we thought we were high speed, right? Uh, we get the word that we're stood down and we're going to go the next day. So he turns around and... Um, comes back to my house out in Carlsbad. Um, my wife had gone to work. I came home. Um, I guess my, my wife, the, this human being, had been going through all this with me. Remember, when we're doing these ops, especially in the early days, 2001 to 2005, we didn't call home or talk about anything back here. Stuff was very protected, and it was, um, it was life and death every day. So I I uh I get home, I'm waiting, and then strangely I see my my ex-wife drive back. I'm like, what's she doing here? I look through the window, and she's in the front of the cars on the on the steering wheel, fucking sobbing, fucking crying. I guess they sent her home from work because she was a wreck. And yet I really hadn't thought about this. 15, 20 years, I really hadn't thought about it because actually, you know, what was on my mind at the time? God, I can't wait to go. Oh my God, we're right there. I'm ready to go. And I remember just being confused. Why is she crying? Why is she home? Anyway, that everything it takes to be like us, uh, everybody that loves us, they will suffer for it. And if we are responsible men and um, and we love our country and our families and and we rededicate ourselves to purpose, uh, then we will spend some time to repair those things. That's what I've done, and that's why I'm here now.
0: And you've done um, a lot to really, uh, I think, reconcile. And you're a pretty spiritual guy, mm-hmm. from what I understand, and somewhat religious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how has that kind of moved the needle for you? Well, even, I've in always your life? been
1: so emotionally and spiritually driven because um, I believe in. I believe that good can uh, champion evil.
0: I mean, you certainly demonstrated that. Oh, thank you. You you've certainly demonstrated that.
1: Thank you. It's it's biblical. It's essential. It's it's you know uh, from the times of the Odysseus, we 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 fight for the good, and after the war we must make the long journey home. Um, holy smokes! You know, I did those first two wars were completely expeditionary and. And on the invasion of Iraq, um, Saddam had uh, chemical agents, so we had to fight with gas masks and mop suits, you know, like yeah. nuclear biological chemical suits. It was incredibly hot. It was incredibly difficult. Um, we all we got dysentery, so we're vomiting and, and diarrhea through our suits because you can't take them off. So we lived in these and fought in these things for three weeks. And before we went off on that line of departure, we had the priests freaking giving us all last rites because recon we were 30 kilometers ahead of every other unit. So if we were hit with a chemical agent, and we had our freaking drugs to slam in so we could finish the fight and kill the enemy there, but we were dead. And you know what? None of us batten an eye. This is what youth and purpose to one's mission and culture of uh, exceptionalism. This is what it can empower young men to do. Hmm. Um, but boy, it kind of sets the bar <laughs> high. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. And
1: so here I am, you know, tr- fighting for, you know, for, for God, you know, and I mean, this is heavy. I mean, here we are almost in a crusades bringing rule of law and, and Christian values to a you know, Muslim extremist regime. It's not lost on me that it was us superpowered, freaking X Men, Avenger, Commando, um, overlords from the US that went in there and wrecked house and ultimately all fell apart. Um, so after that, I said, I'm done with God. I'm angry. Why do you do this? Why I help, I help families over there that believed in us and I gave them my word, I gave a family my word, I gave them this family. Um, I would meet with them in the cover of darkness, this village outside of Fallujah uh, by Al Karma. They had a, a, wa- a water tower that was about five stories up and they had a generator and they had a little store. And they were the one uh, house that had power, that the electricity for the whole rest of the village came to their um, their pumps uh, through water and their water tower and a generator. And they would meet with me in the cover of darkness. We'd be cammed up through canals, my team um, um, e- blending out from the freaking night and the reeds of the Euphrates. And the mother, I remember, she had these tattoos on her chin, and the old and her husband, he was probably t- ten years younger than me, but he looked eighty years old, and he had one cloudy cataract eye and shock white hair, and they were so happy to be siding with us because of what was happening with IEDs, and and the Al Qaeda operators were completely destabilizing the region because now it's Sunnis versus Shia, mm. and. Everybody hates Americans. So uh, at the time, there was a lot of money going to a lot of people if they would help us and give us information. So I used their water tower as a sniper freaking position and to call close air support. And I brought up my freaking, uh, my rappel rope in case shit got heavy, we were going to come down. But still, we were incredibly exposed. And we did that for a month. And they never sold us out. And so I asked them, "What what do you need? Do you need money? Do you need it? What do you need? They said... Our kids get really sick um, from all the dust of the dirt roads. Do you think you could pave the road? That's all they wanted. Stuff that we take here in America for granted. Stuff that we, we, we say horrible things about our country. We say horrible things about how tough it is to be here. And stuff we take for granted. These people are risking their lives for me to have a paved road. And in the end, I left them. After two of their kids were killed and half of their home was blown up, and I was so tired because it was my last week there, and I'm reaching back, I'm reaching back to to the uh, to the Rock Recon Operation Center, and I'm talking to the command. We need to get these people out of here, Son Reyes. It's not your problem. Return to base. We're turning it over. And I was so close. To taking off my kit and leaving my weapon, and walking back there by myself, and just waiting with them for the death squads that night. They were all eventually killed, of course, but ah, the moral injury I got from that made me turn my back on God, made me turn my back on everything. And I think th- the success was just a uh, was just a, an occlusive bandage to an occlusive bandage to a massive sucking chest wound. Um. Of how my heart is broken about how freaking real this world is how real the world is it's complex it's dangerous it's dirty and um in lieu of super strong righteous people it will be run by tyrants and there is no in between and that took me 10 years to get over And because Jade is heavy Christian, and by the way, I didn't want to hear anything about it. I didn't want to hear anything about forgiveness. I didn't want to forgive myself. I didn't want to forgive myself for what I did with my family, my ex-wife, what I did to um, them. You know, I kidnapped a lot of uh, people in uh, in Iraq, especially. And of course, we were in Pakistan, Afghanistan too. I kidnapped a lot of people, and took them to Abu Ghraib to get tortured, right? We find out that many of them were not our enemy. They were just paid by another bet. They were just information given, us, given to us by dumbasses in Washington, D.C. that sided with one tribe or another. So all this, I didn't want anything to do with God and I didn't want anything to do with forgiveness. Not for me. Not for me. And I, I didn't care if I drank and did cocaine every freaking day and night for three or four days straight. I didn't care if I didn't eat for a week at a time. I didn't deserve any forgiveness and I wasn't interested in it, but the pride, the pride of this somehow kept me going just enough. And when I created Force Blue, I started getting my pride back and my honor of doing something that's special and an and exception. Is that what's on your shirt? Yeah. This is my unit. you know, recon battalion. But, um, that kept me, that was my triage for about five years of homelessness, strung out street fights. I was in a mental institution for a year, veterans, mental institution. And there was only three people there, three men that had even been in combat. None of them had done anything. I was the only freaking real warrior there. Everybody else in and out of prison, drug addicts, um, criminals, prostitutes and i'm there for a year and uh i have two children i lost my ability to see them um i was an i was a really really hurt man really hurt man it's about nine years ago i mean it don't get much lower and um when uh i started force blue when I created something, because I was driven to protect the undersea world, because I went there for a therapy dive, because mm. they were afraid I was going to commit suicide, and I was close, and I started diving, not as a combat diver, um, but in the daytime, where I could see the animals. How
0: did you get out of this kind of hole? I mean, spending a year yeah. in a psych ward, is—that yeah. is, that is extremely heavy. How did you, I I mean, how do you even get out of that situation? Oh, my
1: gosh. You know what? It just reminds me. Jade, uh, uh, she was laughing today because she said, baby, you smoked. And I said, yeah, I forgot. I started smoking when I was in the Veterans Village of San Diego. Um, You're going crazy. So you just chain smoke in between. Therapy sessions, and you know, lots of the people are on psycho That's drugs.
0: Right. And a lot of mood stabilizers, yeah, a lot of heavy drugs.
1: Yeah. So, all I, I worked out all the time and smoked and smoked and and tried to work on my therapy. I have a great therapist, and it was slow going, but I worked on it. I tried. How did I, you get out? Were you, were you voluntarily I in there? I eventually completed the program. I was sane enough to be <laughs> let out. Okay. Yeah, I had to stay in. I wanted to run away every day. I wanted to escape every day, and sometimes my brothers, my recon brothers and SEAL brothers would come visit me there. And,
0: and uh, they didn't have the same experience, or at least not outwardly.
1: It would. It happened to them later. It happened to them later. Oh yeah, quite a few ended up there. Special operations guys ended up there, and then we would find in the next ten years they've all we've all struggled with with things, and um, we've all struggled with things, and some of us. Uh, that maybe me feel, oh, I never thought suicide. Okay, when I was first falling, going through these things, I thought it was just me. I thought, man, maybe it's just because I'm not fucking hard enough. I'm not freaking hard enough. Why don't you get harder? And then I recognize over years, holy smokes, even in the special operations community, we're having suicide. And uh, this is why I'm so passionate about Force Blue. I'm telling you... When was Force Blue started? I create. I started the idea eight years ago. We uh, we started our first uh, class seven years ago, and uh, the the Gestalt of Force Blue is betterment, buoyancy, and belonging uh, for us warriors, uh, commandos from all special operations units. We've got pararescue, recon, seals, CCT, Green Berets, uh, uh, CAG. We've got uh, SAS. We've got Royal Marine commandos. All these warrior combat divers, uh, I bring them to class with the finest reef scientists and biologists in the world. We learn uh, to do hydrographic surveys and flora, fauna, identifications to, uh, to collect information for reefs that are in need of our help. We then grow coral in undersea estuaries and then plant them at depth We rebuild reefs also after massive hurricanes. We now save turtles and do full-on blood workups on them and get them to hospital if need to. Uh, We work with undersea mammals as well. What I'm most proud of now, in seven years, we we are sponsored by the uh, NFL. We're sponsored by Pepsi. And, you know, I've never been to college. I'm a, a freaking boys' home commando from Omaha Home for Boys. You know what I'm saying? If I can do this, listen, all you veterans, brothers, and sisters out there, you can do things too. You really have the power to do it. Look, brush off your old uniform and be proud of yourself. You know, uh, look at your photographs, look at your medals, call your uh, your bros and sisters from the unit. Be proud of yourself. Take advantage of the VA. Um, with Force Blue, originally, it's only us combat divers, commandos, right? Well there's a lot of brothers and sisters that need help. Uh, So I've been in Washington, DC for years now to change legislation. Now, any veteran can use their Vogue Rehab, uh, their benefits for serving this country. And they will pay you to do your advanced open water scuba. Then you come to us. Force Blue will fly you to us train you for a week and then you are given the uh, dominus Ominus a assistant scientific diver for force blue after you have spent time doing that you become an official force blue diver and my men and women we have a few women eod um they get paid for their time there we uh, billet each other all in barracks we work out in the morning plan our dive dive our plan talk mess afterwards and laugh and it's just incredible. And, uh, and now we have a children's program uh, for uh, Gold Star families, Children of the Fallen, of our brothers. We train their kids in uh, underwater conservation and in scuba diving, and they deploy with us too.
0: Pretty rad, huh? That's pretty amazing. And do you feel like
1: it's really played a role in healing you? for sure. It's what led me to Jade. I wouldn't have been together enough to, when I met Jade, to be able to say, or to have the confidence to say, all right, I'm getting a place for us and we're going to make it work. It was those two years of of baby steps and underwater healing and being with my boys that actually reminded me that I'm worth something. And then Jade, of course, when you have a relationship, a love, when you have a love, it inspires the best out of you. Also, um, it's really easy to see your critical vulnerabilities. And if you're a warrior, Those critical vulnerabilities are an opportunity to improve. Anybody, anybody, right? Yeah, anybody can. Anybody. Anybody can. If I can do it, anybody can do it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. uh, Because I'm stubborn and I'm hard headed. So trust me, when I was first with Jada, um, you know, I still want to freaking go drink with the boys and they want to take me to the strip joints. You know what I mean? And sometimes if we can chop up some cocaine, you know, I'm like, Yay! come on. uh, I can do whatever I want. And then... I the voice I, of reason. Yeah, comes Yeah, I thought. Well, if it endangers my love, if I if I go to jail because I'm street fighting, if if I uh, if my health falls apart, what about her? And what about a life that we're building? And how long have you
0: guys been together?
1: Five years. It feels like yesterday. I mean, we're still in love like kids. Yeah, uh, you'll you'll meet her shortly after this. I can't wait. Um, can Yeah, yeah. When you when you really love something, it reflects back. You start loving yourself. I'm not going to endanger myself um, and, and risk something for me that's not worth it for my family. And now, even in my entertainment, the entertainment stuff I do is dangerous. You know, we're still doing military work uh, in extreme environments, and um, and I'm 51 now. I'm not I'm not 31, I'm not 21, um, but I'm paid well. So 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 the juice is worth is worth the squeeze. You see. Well, I saying? happen
0: to know a good doctor that I think is going to.
1: Step in and take care of you. I, I,
0: I got that piece covered. Great. You know, you have a, a book, and it's it's called Hero Living: uh, Seven Strides to Awaken Your Infinite Power. I would love for you to touch on that. I've hear I've heard you talk a lot about competition and a lot about love and the importance mm-hmm. of relationship and the importance of reconciliation of the past yes. into the future. And I want to know what's in the seven strides. Yeah.
1: You know what's first of all, they're strides because life is action oriented. Even our recovery and rest periods are sleep like, uh, you know, we sleep, right? Holy smokes, we transport time and space and, and dimension through dreaming. Our bodies are constant, uh, our, our, our bodies are in a state of play and movement. Even the freaking atoms, the freaking electron shield zooming around. I thought if I'm writing a book to help people and why I chose to write a book to help people is because I knew I needed help. I kind of wrote it for me, maybe subconsciously. I knew I needed help. Um, I just so-called got success, freaking book deal come. You know, the de- you know I was the first one. Remember, I'm the first one of all, of my generation that got into books, media, all this stuff. I was the first one. There was no real blueprint for it. Right. right? And um, I was positioned by a Penguin to write a book. Of course, they wanted the war exploits.
0: This was after Generation Kill. Yes.
1: yes, for those
0: people who don't know what that is, it was a yes. it's a it's a real story. Right? Yes, it's a miniseries. And you played myself. yourself. I know, which is crazy. As a, a recon marine, yeah. all of a sudden you're kind of thrust into yeah. acting and and doing all of this. stuff. Which is stuff. harder than
1: you would imagine. Imagine some um, doctor. Imagine if somebody. Well, you, you are in uh, production, so you can understand this. Imagine someone's writing a script with your words, and they give you you to be you, and they roll camera and action be you. You're like, well, this feels so manufactured, and how do I find my way through this? It was challenging. It's an art form and a skill set, just like everything else. It's a skill set, and I have to train it, and I do train it still, um, how to present how to freaking connect and present. Uh, At the time, very challenging, but I was also the military advisor and training all the actors um, in combat skills and fitness to keep them looking freaking sharp. That, uh, next thing I know, I'm on the red carpet with um, Patricia Arquette and and Ridley Scott, when we're talking about Black Hawk Down, and and uh, how is that? How freaking is that trans- rad! <laughs> I mean, man! I mean, how I is mean, that transition? You know what I'm saying? I'm in my freaking super sharp dress blues, with a freaking dual cool stack of medals metal, with valor, with freaking you know a valor device on them, and proud of my unit, proud of my brothers, and the world's getting to see our story. By the way. It was not really well received at the time. I was it was so to re- It was so realistic. It was not received I well. I have to
0: ask you. Uh, people, again, people really respect and love you. And I don't know if it was always that way. Uh, there you go. Because the, <laughs> usually the first one through the gate gets pretty bloody.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I was heavily. Well, of course, there was nobody else. It was just me. And everything was scrutinized. That's something else. That's um, <sighs> leadership. You will be scrutinized. Um, how do you deal with that?
0: How do you suggest a listener deals with that?
1: You know, how, I, how I've dealt, dealt with it negatively, combative, angry, overbearing, l- leaning on my strengths, lean, overbearing into my strengths. And that's how I dealt with it badly. Mm. How I deal with it now is lean into vulnerabilities uh, Give me an example. When I'm criticized, uh, w- whether it's my, s- for instance, on my t- television program now. And what is that called? Uh, I have SAS, Who Dares Wins, in the UK, and then Special Forces, World's Toughest Test on Fox here. With our mutual friend. Yes. Remy. Yes. Remy oh, the, the beautiful, Rudy, you're a sellout. Um, you uh you're pretending and utilizing this to be a character and you're manufacturing warriorness. Rudy, you're getting uh you're too old and um and you're stale. And when your fitness is gone, you're not gonna work anymore, cause really only thing people care about is your looks. These are the critiques I get, right? Um, first of all, I accept that maybe some of those things are true. Okay. If they're true, very well. Well, then what am I going to do about it? Entertainment doesn't last forever. Often it can change like that. So I said, well, if it doesn't last forever, I'll make my own company. And I have, um, I will create my own, um, productions and writings and my own stories and programs that I pitch. So we are New War Productions and it's all, you know, uh, Green Beret, Marine Corps officer, me, Jade. Um, when my age and my looks are gone, my vitality is not what it is right now. And I, th- you know, I think I got another 10 years as an action hero and I'm 51 now. I think of Yule Brenner. I think of um, who has the same birthday as me, um, freaking, um, Charlie Bronson, Charles Bronson, December 3rd, just like mine. You know, he was a stud. Look at photos of him. Even at 55, he did hard, hard times stud. So I got 10 more years. Um, well, I'm thinking about my ranch with horses and uh, a couple of dogs. And when I raise a child with Jake, so I am saving some money and working on a business. So I'm going to listen to you all out there critiquing. Also, I'll remember that maybe you're hurting worse, way worse than me. Because in the world I come from, we congratulate each other and we support each other. I love that. You know? Yes, I do. So that's kind of where I'm at with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love that. So you listen to the critique, open up to the possibility of any of these vulnerabilities, and then take massive action to do something about it. Yeah. Tell me about this book. What are yeah. the what are the what are the seven and it's available now,
1: yeah? Yes, it's available now. Like I said, the strides. And by the way, so it was positioning to me to do my combat stuff, and I'm like, man, I'm like, man, some of my guys are still fighting. And I don't want to think about some of it because actually I'm still uh wounded. You know? Um um I had to clean up my buddy's arms and flesh out of the freaking Humvee after I dragged it out of the fucking kill zone. I have things that I've not even thought about or want to think about because it hurts, and I'm angry, and I'm freaking upset. Do you use
0: those feelings I do.
1: Absolutely. Do you think you
0: want to forget some of that stuff or you, you Mm. keep it so that you have it for juice?
1: Yes. Do you, do you remember uh, my favorite, favorite uh, war movie in the world is Heat, Michael Mann's Heat. And uh, Michael Mann's getting older, but I want to work with him before he passes. He's my favorite writer, director, favorite artist that captures human, humans who live on the edge. And that's why heat with De Niro and Pacino are so powerful because the flip side is the same coin. And his wife is angry at, at Pacino and Pacino is uh, Vincent Hanna, right? Detective Hanna. Uh, she says, you know, you're never present, you know? Um, and uh, you just walk through the battlefield and and, and uh, search for signs of passing, sift through the detritus and you freaking move on, you know? Uh, and you And you have so much hate, you know? And he says something like, because I like it, because it keeps me sharp. It keeps me on the edge where I need to be. Now that's what I use it for. I am not obsessed to the level that I used to be. I am now open to family, future, and also I think about my own death a lot. you know? I'm what do you think op- happens after? Well, I'm I'm giving everything I got to really receive God, so that I go to heaven. And if not, I know I've given it my best. (laughs) Do you know what I'm (laughs) saying? Yeah, I do. I do. It's so interesting. I am very aware of um, that. There's no time to waste. There's not a bit to yeah. So back to the book. I made strides, breaking, forging. One of the strides is imagining the cage that you're in, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual. You've been abused or neglected, or you're overweight, or you're being left behind um, professionally, and you desperately need to provide for family. Whatever cage you're in, visualize one of those bars of the cage. That means get really serious about what your prison is. Dismantle it. First, what are the elements? Where does it exist? Why are you there? Why are you stuck? And physically, spiritually, psycho-spiritually, imagine those bars, you turning a few of those bars into weapons and or keys to unlock that cage. A lot of inner work. I've been influenced by Joseph Campbell. I've been influenced uh, by Jung, of course. And then I've read Nietzsche. I grew up on Marvel Comics, especially the X-Men, because they're the world superheroes that nobody nobody even knows exist. Um, And then we've been fighting for our country. So I know what heroes are. Um, I wanted to create a book to help people um, be more than they think they can be and to heal things that they think will never heal. That's why I wrote Hero Living.
0: Well, I suggest everybody uh, take a look at it. You are a true hero. You are <laughs> truly a Renaissance man that is open for exposure. And I don't just mean in the public eye, but you really expose your heart and your experiences. And that is so transformative for people listening. Do you,
1: oh, do you I understand? Hope
0: so. it It is because everybody on some level has a various varying degrees of struggle.
1: Isn't that the truth though, it isn't is it? I know it makes me always cry thinking about it as the truth. Most everybody out there has been through a lot. And um, the, this modern world moves so fast, technically and economically, it moves so freaking fast. Um, people just cover up, they just cover up. or mask it or what have you and people do hurt you know jade and i've been through a lot not just not together but what we've been through before we were together and us untangling um those freaking wires and and and, and, and getting uh, uh, ourselves out of those bear traps and um and drag lines called life that we've been through you know and she's she's a beautiful woman and she was young so she grew up in hollywood she grew up. or Well, she started in the entertainment business, and you know, the business I'm in is a very dangerous business, especially if you're a young woman or a young man, or you know, especially if you're physically vulnerable because you're small and you're young, and um, and the entertainment business chews young women up, uh, almost like uh, almost like uh, meat, right? She found a way out by coming to me. She gave me a reason to fight and be the best. After we got out of the kill zone, we both looked at each other. The kill zone of Hollywood? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, it is. It's very superficial. And if, you know, as you are young and growing up, if if the onus is placed not on who you become, but on what you look like and what is external, that would lead to drugs and leave an individual open to vulnerability exploitation and exploitation you said it perfectly
1: yeah yeah you said it perfectly I think she got me gave me a chance to show up for me like i got to show up for rudy and michael and caesar in robstown texas i got to show up for rudy michael and caesar on the streets of kc or in the freaking at the farm in the omaha home for boys i got to show up but now as a powerful man and by Saving her and protecting her opened me up to start being loved and healed because she has done so much for me inside. Uh, She truly is my, um, my guiding light. We listen to, you know, we're very romantic. She's an artist too. You know, she's one of the finest shooters in the world. I had uh, no idea. Oh, I need some she's lessons. one of the finest shooters in the world. <laughs> um, she trained all the John Wick actors, and she's re- uh, really trained hard. Halle Berry, and uh, she's uh, youngest three gun champ in the country at I nineteen. Had no, I had no idea. Yeah, she's so rad. Um, <laughs> um,
0: we're Jane, really, you're coming on here you next. Know, you're
1: gonna love her. I can't wait. Oh, she's special um we are very romantic with our songs and everything and and that song by credence clearwater revival ccr put a candle in the window and it's about that traveling man and sometimes it's her cuz she travels for work too but me especially that f- forward deployed man that's that's a road warrior only because what he will gain, he brings back home. And on those lonely nights and weeks, and, in, and, and when the road seems like that it's going on forever and I can't carry it anymore, honey, if I know there's a candle in that window, um, and as long as I can see the light, I'm coming back. It is, uh, it's held true from the first time we met, uh, and it'll hold true forever for us. Put a candle in the window.
0: You're an artist too. Yeah. What, what? And what kind of art do you do? I. Uh, well, I'm an illustrator. I was a pro illustrator. You know. Uh, um, so maybe astronaut. Maybe you will become an astronaut yeah, next. I don't know. Yeah,
1: what no kidding. It? Well, well, you know, like our, a lot of our SEAL brothers are freaking super awesome, overachiever SEALs. And a, my, I got a couple brothers that are really close to me in the community, Kaj Larson, Jeff Gum, who does. Uh, my sunga life, all my feet. Uh, so isn't that rad? This SEAL brother, Jeff Gum brought me on to be his baddest ass sunga mo- model with his silkies and everything. And then I brought him on to Force Blue and I got Kaj. There's another great man named Jeff Reeves movie star, good looks, six foot three, looks like an American, uh, a young Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. Of course, he's a race car driver, uh, a, a SEAL commander. Amazing. So my SEAL brothers are very tight with me, especially because of Force Blue. We brought us all together and we've learned from each other. Um, they've helped me understand how to um, set up a business, and I now have a team, an accountant, and, and an and entertainment lawyer. And I didn't remember a lot of kids don't have kids that grow up like me don't have that um, education. I had no idea. I've been a working class, lucky to be working class my whole life. Now, finally, with the tools, especially for my bro, brothers from the SEALs. Uh, Remy also, absolutely, they have really mentored me into this next chapter of my life. Um, One of the things, aside from construction, demolition, uh, I used to install underground sprinkler systems and then work in restaurants, first starting as a dishwasher busboy and then eventually waiting tables. I worked these really hard construction jobs and and, uh, service jobs because they allowed me uh, flexibility to go travel to kickbox and to compete. I was in love with martial art because of its transcendence. And, uh, and you did that from a very young age, yes, right? Yes. And, and once I hit an adult, once I uh, was 18 years old, I started training with a Shaolin Kung Fu man. And again, it just kept my brothers and I engaged, uh, kept us from drugs and alcohol, kept us from fighting in the streets. We were always doing our superhero project. It was like a little the, superhero the, art the, project. The personal superhero yeah, project. a little superhero yeah. art project, right? Yeah. Um, Uh, I had been painting and drawing my whole life. It's another constant that I could do. So when I was hurting in fifth and sixth grade, I was absorbed with my comics because this is how I saw the very first relationships of a family. This is how I witnessed what a relationship is with a heroic man and a heroic woman. And, um, you know, when when Daredevil and Elektra with with um, Jean Gray and the X-Men, Wolverine loved her, but couldn't be with her because she was with Scott, and Wolverine possessed too much rage and anger to really be um, be what she needed. but uh, but I saw these archetypes. and I this is the only family I ever knew. So I started drawing, and I was always the best artist since I was that big. Something in my brain. Um, I always drew uh, superheroes, uh, cars, jets, uh, um, Godzilla, and the monsters. And then there was a girl named Tammy in third grade, and she drew Tammy, horses. If, if, if you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Tammy, I remember you <laughs> with your big strawberry blonde hair. I think you you had gaps in your teeth, too, but I hope you're doing well right now, by the way. <laughs> hope you're doing great. But you drew horses, and I'm like, you know what, man? I don't want to draw animals. I draw freaking boy stuff, but I recognized she was great at it. So I watched her, and then I saw some books that she learned from. So I really started working on my art also as a way of escape my hard circumstances. By the time I was in high school, I was... Renowned as the best painter now. I had an incredible uh, art teacher who was an athlete, artist, athlete, you know, a scholar, warrior. And I ran track just to, or cross country, just to be with him. I was in search of a father. I was always pursuing uh, manhood my entire life. Uh, so he was my, uh, he was the best art teacher in, in the universe. And he was a co- cross country coach. And, um, I got put into a scholarship program to the Kansas City Art Institute, which is a super prestigious uh, private uh, art college. It's uh, on par um, with Parsons and with Chicago. And uh, on scholarship through port- strength of portfolio alone, I did figurative work, classical um, painting, mixed media, graphite. It's pretty incredible. Um, well, wait, you know what? You don't, you don't freaking party. And you're not, and you're too awkward and nerdy to be into chicks, you could do this stuff, right? I'm so glad I was a late bloomer. I'm telling you, you know, turned out, it turned out pretty well. It for worked you. out all right for yeah. me, you know. Uh, uh, but I forewent my scholarship, uh, because I couldn't take Michael and Caesar with me to live with me in the barracks. Are you guys still close? Yes, uh, I've repaired the relationship. Uh, my youngest, who I was his hero and idol. You know, he said, Rudy, you're not my brother anymore. Because remember, I became hard, fighting in the street, you know, fucking people up, freaking hard drugs, rage, one, you know, different chick every freaking other week. Not me, but I was, I was like, I was like the dark Rudy. It was like the, the overman, you know, and, uh, and he thought I'd never come back. And I was angry at him for being so sensitive. And, and why is he crying? Why are you crying? You know, um, why are you crying? Because I'm hard now. You know what the world is like? That's so, so you know, so I couldn't say it with words. I didn't understand. But what I was living was this doctor. Listen, all you, do you know what the world is like? The real world so, so so no wonder I got to be like this. Do you understand? But I was falling apart. My brother Caesar, who spent a lot of time in prison, he was the one that was there for me to help me because he knows what it's like to be alone. He knows what solid solitary confinement is. He knows what being on edge is and ready to fight all the time is. And now we've all held each other's hands for about the last 10 years, and now Mikey Caesar and I are doing amazing.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Really, just really incredible. Now, you are extremely physically fit. I guess. Nah, come on. I mean... Really fit for you guys that are just listening to this. Please find him. Thank you on YouTube or Instagram, but definitely you should check out this video. He is a beast. And by the way, I think we're gonna train after this. Yeah, yeah. Ma- I Matt- I my stuff. Matthew, our, our videographer, you know you're you're getting involved in these deadlifts, buddy. Awesome. Oh, are you guys doing dead? Okay, no, so- I have no idea what we're doing. Okay, no, I, no. <laughs> I,
1: I love doing tabatas. We're doing a lot of travel. We're, yeah. Okay, we'll f- we'll have fun. We'll, we'll have out. fun.
0: We are. I'm only teasing about the deadlifts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking I would go crawl in a hole now and make uh, Matthew oh, we'll do it. We'll have fun.
1: We'll have fun. We're gonna be get better. We're gonna laugh. We're gonna be. It's, it's gonna sweat. be
0: great. It's gonna be so fun. How do you? I mean, no. Uh, in all seriousness, fifty one yep. years old. You l- you look like you are thirty one. Not too bad, huh? I mean, I know that people want to know what you're doing.
1: You know, uh, some of it happened naturally when you're aligned with purpose. We, and you have ethics, morals, character when you're developing character, you're always assessing yourself are you are you really with the with the righteous or are you taking it easy instead of serious because if you're taking it easy, you kind of slide over into the darkness eventually. you start making excuses for yourself, for other people around you um, for what your body looks like. You know what? I don't care if people say to me. And they do sometimes. Uh, people that don't know me are like, man, this guy must be so vain and, you know, what is it, conceited? They have no idea. Um,
0: Why would they say that? Because you take pride in your body, you're taking yes, care of yourself?
1: Yes, and yes, yes, yeah, or maybe because truly they're just jealous. Um, they have no idea what it took to craft my agency and my self-respect at 11 years old. Uh, and there was no protein powders. There was no, uh, and you know all these cats on the, uh, you know on the uh, social medias. There's no anabolics, protein powders, and spray tans. I was fighting for my life, and I learned how to harness my self esteem through physical fitness and competition, and it has never let me down. I probably drink a lot more water than most people do. um, not ever having air conditioning and living in Kansas City and Nebraska, where we have intense, like Texas, intense uh, summers, brutal cold winters. I rode a 10 speed to my demo job in 1996 with a Carhartt coverall in the inner city with the snow and the wind blasting. I looked like the marshmallow man with that freaking huge Carhartt with some Bolle racquetball goggles because uh, uh, my eyelashes kept freezing because this is the only job there was. And I lived for 12 hours on one power bagel I got from Einstein Bagels. And I still made time to train. So what you see here... It's not crafted in the gym. It's not. um, What you see here is is no shell. Um, It's from a lifetime of pushing oneself and and getting spiritual with it. I mean, getting truly spiritual with it. If I do not get to a space of flow and all things and nothing in my training. Well, the truth is I would never know because I've been in that space every single session and every single workout and every single competition um, for the last 40 years. Jade will tell you when you talk to her, you know, some days I'm tired or I'm injured or whatever. She's not, She's been with me for five years. Oftentimes, I only got a gym recently. I've been working out in my living room. Wow. Two heavy uh, dumbbells, my rings, um, gymnastic platforms, socks. Because I freaking get my hands on those dumbbells and I run Tabata mountain climbers with sliding them feet and then next right into Tabata push-up and then next uh, Tabata push-up knee tuck and then muscle up. There's never been a, um, I've never done a, um, what does it mean when you're just manicuring or taking care of? Uh, I've never done any kind of training that's not everything I got. I disrespect what God gave me, I disrespect everything I've been through, I disrespect um, the gift that I have at fifty one that I'm still able to do these things if I phone it in. You know? I don't phone it in. I don't phone it in. I give everything I got. And you know, you know as well as I do with athletics, there's so many rad people in our space. I can't wait to get you involved with Sornex and my people and the family of strength. Sornex builds all the cages and all the systems for all pro athletes and all commandos like and UFC around the world. Mm -hmm. And they're in South Carolina and they're country and geniuses. (laughs) They're country geniuses. (laughs) Love Um, it. uh, We all get our muscle heads together. We love it. We live it. We live training. Um, You can effectively train out there, you all, with 30 minutes a day um, if you're willing to go into the ionosphere. I use Tabatas. I use... My boxing timer. Um, In lieu of the best piece of equipment you can get, which is a training partner, the best piece of equipment you can get in the world is a training partner. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that, your training partner becomes your playlist and your boxing timer. You can do intervals and you put on your playlist and every freaking song on there, my standard is this. If it is not spiritually emotionally charged and lyric lyrics at a very high level. I don't even care if I don't care how cool the beat is it's not good enough for me. It's got to be some kind of reflection of the human experience. So I listen to these heavy songs of human experience on a timer and I know I've got three minutes to go and I'm going three minutes all the way I get on that verse climbing out this gym which I just love and crank it on so it's a hard. You know, it's hard. So three minutes on, one minute, shoes come off, jump rope, three minutes. Last three minutes, dip station. Three minutes dips, go. Is it 100 reps? Is it 200? What happens on the? Oh, and then I do that circuit 15 times.
0: That's amazing. Basically, what I'm hearing you say is there's absolutely no excuse for anybody out there listening that if doesn't have to be a perfectly manicured workout. It no, doesn't no. have to be squats, deadlifts. It has to be. I mean, granted, you have cultivated and trained your body for decades. Yes. But you- You can use body
1: weight. You can use body weight and bands. I use bands and body weight. So when I'm out on task, I just got back from two uh, two months in New Zealand. And before that, I was in Vietnam, you all. I did freaking two seasons in the jungles of Vietnam. Cobras everywhere, Um, 100- 100 degree heat, 100% humidity, flooding, eight days straight. Sounds comfortable. Oh, holy smokes. And you know what? I still made time to train just with body weight and rings or something to pull and dip on. Um, You don't, what you need is your attitude. What you need is your attitude.
0: How are we going to convince people? 50% of Americans don't train. 50%. 24% of Americans are meeting their need for exercise or meeting the daily requirements. What are we going to do? I mean, obviously, you're inspiring people I, to
1: get stronger and better. I'm going to keep doing that. I think it's going to have to start with the younger generation, but actually, no, I, we shouldn't give up on the old people. I either. agree with you. We shouldn't give up on the old people too. Um, and what about this statement?
0: Yeah, this idea that something is better than nothing. I'm no, I, I no, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's not something is better than nothing. It's you have to dial in and execute.
1: There's no. Um, there's no. Uh, um exchange for excellence like there's no substitute for excellence the human being has shown us there's potential for excellence look we are we're 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 related to the um, we're related to the Spartans we have conquistador blood we have Zulu blood in which these men you know I fought in Kenya in Uganda and I was friends with the Maasai who fought freaking lions with spears. We all come from these genes. We have potential for excellence. We must embrace it. We must. It blows my mind and my people out there, please understand where this is coming from. I am uh, really overwhelmed. I travel throughout the country and the world, but I'm so overwhelmed and shocked about how obese, um, everybody in our country is. And listen to this, you all, do you know how much, How, how imagine how it feels when I'm, uh, I work mostly for a European uh, production company, uh, British and UK. You know how they make fun of us? They do. I do. They really do. They say, you guys are a bunch of fat asses. Why do you keep eating? It blows me away. I think it's because we are so privileged and wealthy here. We've forgotten um the toils of World War II and the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression. And when our ancestors came across in wagons, we've forgotten what we've done to create the infrastructure for the greatest country to ever exist. And now we just uh, medicate ourselves and pleasure ourselves with food. But that's changing. Good. that, that is Thanks changing. to you. Oh, wow. Thanks to me.
0: You are definitely changing the perception of what it means to be 50 and fit. Yeah. 30 and yeah, fit. Totally. I mean, there's ways that we can change the world. and. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. You know, we, we, of course, are training heads. We love to freaking train. Something about athleticism uh, inspires and, and deeply freaking connects to us. But the habits that go along with it, the water, you with the focus on enzyme-rich protein. I mean, enzymes are the building block of life. Um Rebuilding, I mean, triphasic training—you got to break it down. New neuromuscular pathways, microtrauma means you got to get spiritual with your training to go beyond what you think you can do to create adaptation, and then let your body adapt. Meaning the rest and the right food. Um, do you know what's wild, doctor? I've never been really science, scientifically driven with that, even though I'm totally in science and history, as you can tell. My body's always told me what I need to do. I've never overate. Um, Maybe also because of combat. If you eat too much, you fall asleep. And if you fall asleep, you might wake up with your throat cut. Yeah, that's not a good plan. Yeah, you see? And when you're training hard in triathlon, martial art, um, um, sport, if you're always eating and uh, overeating, especially in portion, it is... um, not efficient for digestion and the breakdown of nutrient Mm -hmm. slows down metabolism. Oftentimes, if you're eating uh, poor food, you can get mucus in the colon and get all kinds of side effects from all the chemicals of the food that you're eating. Metabolism drops, mood drops. Um, Self-concept falls apart. Worldview goes into the toilet. I'm serious, no, right? I
0: agree with you. you know, yeah, people
1: out there with, it, with maybe not a whole lot of means, you can first start by smaller portions on your food, and understand what and do your research about what quality protein is. What, what is your nutrition? Mostly, well, you're, you're, I just eat beef, fish, uh, eggs. I mean, you're pretty lean. Yeah, you're pretty lean. Uh, and I um, and I eat uh, potatoes and rice. I eat salad. Um, so you sound very balanced. I just do. I just ba- and you know when. Now, when I was younger, I didn't have to diet at all for a photo shoot because I, I do fitness modeling and stuff. I never had to diet for a photo shoot. I was always about 3 or 4% naturally, right? But I was killing myself. with train. I was addicted to being on the edge because I didn't want to see what was behind. I didn't want to feel what I was really feeling. I didn't want to really feel what I was feeling. So I just hid out. I was hiding out in training. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. About 10 years ago. Um, But now that I'm a little older and I'm enjoying the good life with Jade, because when I'm out on task, it's uh, uh, fully immersed in the field for months at a time, Um, no alcohol, um, about 20 hour days. uh, And I have to lead all these evolutions and do these evolutions. So I come back lean. And this is for for the show? Yes, this is for the show.
0: 20 hour days. Yeah, 20 hour
1: days at at our age, 50s and 60s.
0: How are there other participants in the show? Or is Uh, that for them? They are
1: young. They're young. Uh, The recruits are young, but it has to feel seamless to them. We make it all look magic. We do all the demonstrations. When I'm the red man, I fight every single recruit, make it look easy, freaking dump them, choke them, whatever. And it's just me. There's only four of us instructors. So this is your this is your show that you yes, put on. Yes, this is the UK show. Yeah, and USA. I do oh, with the same, same. Okay. Both of them. Are, both of them are the same production. Okay. One's for the UK. Once for the USA. I'm freaking worldwide, baby. <laughs> oh, worldwide, baby. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, and I do back to back. <laughs> yeah. I do USA right into UK. Me and the brothers run two months straight come back, lean, freaking hard, warrior mindset. And then Jade, I'm like, let's get some mashed potatoes and some a peach pie and give me about three bottles of wine. Uh, and then I balance it out. Like I'm balanced now. I do notice as I've gotten older, the mindfulness of exactly what you eat, it shows up. It does. When you're young, did you notice it just, I mean, we just eat whatever and we whatever just- Whatever you want, bad. that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, smaller meals. Enzyme rich protein. I really love good cuts, uh, lean, uh, um, good uh, lean cuts of fish. I love get a reputable sushi place or freaking make some salmon, um, uh, sear. Good quality cuts of beef. Be mindful about free range chicken too. You and then you can. I also like the egg pumps too, though. When you can just put the egg pumps, You know they just got the egg white freaking. They got an egg white. No, I have to look an, into that. And an organic egg white bucket with a pump. I have. No, I'll have to look. <laughs> yeah, into yeah, you just pump, pump, pump into your glass with a little bit of ice and stir it up. Go, go, go. Delicious. Um, so uh get fiber and uh, trace minerals and such from your your vegetables and leafy greens because your digestion and then have some kind of energy source whether some people go crazy with the fat or the carbohydrate what well, works for me you're best. a lower
0: fat person right yeah yeah it just too. works
1: it just works better for me to have rice potatoes or yeah. something like that and when I have that, um, that sugar store since my training I don't do really aerobics I do mostly anaerobics I use that sugar to burn and if you all don't know this when you're doing interval training and you're getting into that hyperdrive you're burning the sugar and you get that pump the off gas the off gas is, is, is uh, what happens after you burn sugar and you're, you're getting that freaking glycogen burn and then the pump right that's they get so big but that's not how you stay looking but this is the benefit. You're not burning fat per se, during your 30, 40, 50 minutes, or if you do it for two hours, you're not necessarily burning fat, you're burning glycogen and sugar, but the ramp of metabolism and the microtrauma, and then the gene expression with HGH and test starts going through the roof, because your body feels like you just fought five lions and you got to climb a cliff, if you can, that should be your mission. If you get there, your body's going to just start showing it. Your skin looks younger, everything. That's my advice, you all. That's what's worked for me.
0: Oh, you look amazing. Um, And then just, you know, one more question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've lost. <laughs> this has been but great. We had so much fun too. You are amazing. Thanks. You are uh, an incredible storyteller. Just Thank you. Just an incredible human. And, Thank you. And uh, again, the first one. Through the doors, you know, just Thanks. in all yeah. these domains. Thank you. How um, do you maintain like daily rituals and mm. balance? Because you're a, you're a hard driver. I am. And you are probably always doing the next thing. You're running multiple businesses. You have yeah. uh, multiple requests. You have a family. There's all so kinds surely. of things. That's a great how, point. How are you managing... Cognitively, I mean, how does this all look for you?
1: That's a great point about the requests because I make it a point to be available for my, especially my veteran community. I have men and women all around the world that have been through service or been through struggles and are maybe struggling with um, with depression, which can lead to addiction or suicide, what have you. I make it a point to be there. Sometimes it's too much, sometimes sometimes it feels almost too much and it takes a toll sometimes on Jade. Um, I have a term, me and my brothers at Sorenex, my family of strength, we we were hanging and um, hunting deer and cooking and had our cami paint on and lifting some weights. And I talked about thin air living. When you climb a mountain up at the top, air is very thin and only very robust people can live in that thin air and those that can hang with you and get up there with you. There's only a few of you. And if you look around on the other mountains, you'll see a few there, There, but those are the people, the thin air. I found a way to both physiologically and geographically create my home space uh, with the mindset of thin air. So not everybody has a real easy direct access, access to get me, get to me. Because in my, it is in my nature to give, it is in my nature to that
0: give. That is what I've heard. That, it, is, that is what yeah. I've heard from everybody. Yeah, and they say you <laughs> it's know, in my nature to give. That um, that veterans have reached out and you've been there or said, "Hey, how can I help?" And that's just um, that's a lot over time. It
1: can be, um, it can be. Sometimes it gives me uh, pain when I can't uh, solve the problem. I've got a great, incredible brother of mine who was a student and then became a legend force recon brother. And then I end up working for him. An incredible uh, counter-terror expert ran Uganda Um, and he fought for his life. Somebody broke into his car, he killed a man, and now he is in prison. And uh, because where we've been at politically, it's been very hard. Um, And i I struggle not being able to help everybody that I love so much um so when I wake up in the morning um I sing always scream the song I always sing um. Instead of Kings of, Leon, uh, Kings of Leon's uh, sex, uh, your sex is on fire. I say, I say it this way. I go, Rudy is on fire. I guarantee you, Jade is I, definitely throwing a pillow at your head. Yeah, every day. For sure. Every day I do that night. And, and, I, um, and I pace to the coffee, um, drink my coffee. I graduated from the most delicious, uh, uh, the most d- delicious substance in the universe called Copenhagen. I no longer u- use Copenhagen. I miss it so much, but I do get a little zen. Get my zen, my coffee right outside into the sunshine. I stay for half an hour in the sunshine, listening to Jordan Peterson, um, either his uh, um, his biblical. Uh, his, his biblical passages from Genesis and deconstructing Moses. Um, uh, or I'll listen to George Carlin, which is a, an incredible historian, Receive son with the dogs, two cats playing around half an hour. Now into the house, right to the dishes. My missus, the lovely woman. She is. She always makes great dinner. I say, honey, you don't do the dishes. I do them in the morning. You relax for making this great food for me. Boom, I go into the dishes. That becomes my meditation as now I'm uh, listening to uh, economics and current events on different platforms. I am always very informed and want to be informed with what's happening globally because what's happening globally is also happening locally and vice versa. So I manicure those dishes as I manicure myself and my attention. The next thing, honey, it's time to train. Okay, what are we doing? Okay, let's get creative. What are we thinking? And then that is three hours. Three hours? Well, of time. Well, i already ha- just got tired. Half, half hour to get there. 10 or 15 minutes of just, I pace the whole gym. Just think, what are we doing today? Jade always does her same warm-up for 10 or 15 minutes. Then we get into the meat of it for an hour, hour and 15. Then I now do 30 minutes of yoga and meditation afterwards. And I think that has been helping me so, so much. Because I've never really... And didn't used to give myself that time. And then when we come home, we're thinking about what we're going to cook. In between that, calls from UK, calls from the agent, calls from this and that. I catch that on the drive there, catch that on the drive back. Get home, figure out what we're going to do for food, then take some calls. And then after we make our food, which is a, a really dinner, We eat the dinner in two parts. We eat our recovery meal dinner. And then two or three hours later, we have the leftovers of that dinner. And then at midnight, I normally raid the refrigerator for turkey or beef jerky. Aren't you supposed to be sleeping? Yeah, but I always wake up. (laughs) Okay. Because when I go gotta go pee, I gotta go eat. (laughs) Got it, got it. And a handful of um, wasabi peanuts, handful of cranberries for some fiber and sweetness, and beef jerky or turkey. (laughs) And that's, that's how I do it. That is amazing.
0: <laughs> amazing. I'm sure everyone is taking notes. Rudy Reyes, it is such a privilege to have you on. You are a truly extraordinary. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you? Sir. What are you working on? What Sir. do you want to share? We will link
1: everything. Great. First and foremost, forceblueteam.org. That is our betterment. Buoyancy and belonging mission of special operations, and now veterans at large uh, coming together to do ocean conservation. Um, We're healing the planet, and we're healing healing ourselves. Uh, Forceblueteam.org. All donations absolutely uh, welcome. Um, More importantly, share the message and put it out on your socials. Get people interested and involved in uh, protecting this beautiful planet, so that our kids and grandkids. Uh, will inherit such a beautiful place as we did. Um, it's no secret that, that warriors and heroes, we fight the good fight. There's no better fight than leaving something for the generations ahead. So that's what we're doing. Um, I have a website, rudyreyes.com. It's got my basic information, um, a couple photos of me when I was a little kid, because there's not many when you don't grow up with parents, Right. Uh, but, uh, it's got some of my, uh, my accolades and a little bit of a resume. Um, but, uh, I have an Instagram too, and that's real Rudy Reyes, real Rudy Reyes. And it's got workout stuff. It's got my family stuff. It's got veteran stuff. But most people right now know me for, oh, we forgot about call of duty. I had no idea how big that thing was. Um, I did a modeling job for them three, four years ago. Holy smokes. My character's like... My character is so popular. Now they have a snack skin. Skins, I guess, are what you get for the different gear and stuff. The snack skin is me freaking shirtless with just a plate carrier, my long flowing hair, and incredibly popular. Anyway, it's pandemonium in the ring, Call of Duty. Uh, I'm a character on there, and now I'm even on the plat- the mobile platform, but... Um, Special Forces, World's Toughest Test. That's on on Fox and Hulu. We're in the second season. First season, best numbers Fox had ever done in Unscripted. Number one show of Fox all time, Unscripted. And uh, it's SAS, SBS, SEALs, Recon. And now we're on season two. You freaking hold on to your gizzards. I mean, it's a white knuckle thrill right? And then I do the UK version, SAS Who Dares Wins. And that's on channel four, which is like their Fox channel. Um, those two big pieces of entertainment. I've got some other stuff coming out too, both scripted and unscripted. Um, I'm going to be doing some talks awesome Um, so in between it all just basically saving the freaking world you know i I mean mean? it's no small task yeah no small task and we're bringing us all together to do it and this is part of that by being here doctor um this is part of assembling that that x-men crew uh and and we are a family in strength so thank you for having me on thank you so much you're welcome
0: the dr gabrielle Lyon podcast and youtube are for general information purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice, and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast, YouTube, or materials linked from a podcast or YouTube is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition. They may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professional for any such conditions. This is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only.